Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today, we are talking about sexual fantasies and how to interpret them. How I wished I had a resource like this episode 10 years ago, or even 15 years ago, because my sexual fantasies have bothered me so much in my life. And that's why I've done so much research on this, because as long as you don't understand your fantasies, you will have a love-hate relationship with them. And you will have a love-hate relationship with pornography. You will feel magnetically drawn into it, so compelled and attracted to it, and yet also repulsed by it. Perhaps if your sexual fantasies are something that you don't understand, maybe they have felt disturbing or mysterious to you, today you will get some clarity. You will get the exact formula for how to interpret them that I have been working on for years. I've done so much research and I've been working with men, specifically diving into their sexual fantasies, exploring and unpacking what turns them on and why. And I finally come to a conclusion about how to interpret them in a way that decreases their power. Because as long as you don't understand your fantasies, your sexual feelings and thoughts, especially the unwanted ones, will have tremendous power over you. Once you do understand your sexual fantasies, here's what you can expect to happen. Number one, you will become less ashamed of them. You'll become less afraid of them and more accepting of yourself. That's not to say you will have permission to indulge them whenever you want, but you won't have this love-hate relationship anymore. Your fantasies will become just another part of you that you have learned to live with. And as a result, you can also expect to become less fixated on them, less constantly focused on them, and a little bit more flexible with what sexually arouses you, with what you allow yourself to experience sexually. Because if your fantasy has been like your sexual best friend, or as I like to say, if porn has been your pacifier, then you have an attachment to it. And as you begin to understand it, you can appreciate it more while attaching to it less. For years and years and years, I struggled with my own sexual fantasies, specifically for braces and orthodontics, something that I never understood, something that I always hated about myself. I wonder what your sexual fantasies are. Maybe they involve men or women, older women, younger women, maybe even children. In your sexual fantasies, Maybe you're the submissive one, or maybe you're the dominant one, or maybe you're not even involved. Maybe you're just observing other people from a distance. Or maybe your fantasies involve something specific like diapers or feet or an endless variety of things. Whatever your sexual fantasies are, today you will learn how to interpret them. This 
is incredibly complex because there's always more to learn about your sexual fantasies. I'm always learning more about mine. And also it's simple. I've never in all my time as a professional coach, I've never met a fantasy that made no sense. And your fantasies will make so much more sense when you learn exactly what I'm going to teach you today. First, what is a fantasy? And secondly, how do fantasies work? First, what is a fantasy? Let's get really clear about this. Any kind of fantasy, sexual or not, is an attempt to rewrite reality. I'm going to repeat that. Any fantasy, sexual or not, is simply the human imagination rewriting reality or attempting to rewrite reality. So every fantasy has something familiar, something real, and something fascinating. A way of rewriting that reality in a way that's interesting, intriguing, exciting. Personally, I love fantasy stories. Ever since I was a kid, I would get lost in reading fantasy novels like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Hunger Games. I even read the Twilight books. Why? Because they have these aspects that are familiar and also fascinating. They take reality, the reality that we experience, and they rewrite it in some way that ignites the imagination. And we do this all the time with our imaginations. We rewrite reality in non-sexual ways. Every time we ask, what if? What if I had a better job? What if my relationship was different? What if I could do that thing that I really wanted to do? And our fantasy stories are bringing more color and language and story to those kinds of thoughts. What if animals could talk? What if death was not the end? What if we could travel through space? What if good triumphs over evil in the end? And in that way, fantasy is not a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing. It's part of how God made us. It's part of how he made our brains with these incredibly powerful imaginations. And in the end, he's given us the ability to imagine his story, the gospel. And I'll come back to that at the end. But essentially, a sexual fantasy is an attempt to rewrite the reality of our lives sexually, so to speak. And especially our stories of suffering. What we fantasize about the most and what we desire the most is very connected to how we have suffered. Sexual fantasies bring the pain we've experienced in our lives together with pleasure to rewrite reality. To use the language of Jay Stringer, every fantasy involves repetition and reversal. The reality of our lives and then a creative way that rewriting it arouses us. It ignites our imaginations and specifically our stories of suffering. We feel the most pleasure in the exact places where we have felt the most suffering. And all of that might sound rather vague and theoretical. Maybe you already understand that your problem with porn is ultimately not about sex. It's about pain. Or maybe you're thinking to yourself, I don't really experience pain. Stay with me and I'll explain exactly what kinds of suffering and what kinds of pain constitute the reality 
that our sexual fantasies are rewriting. There are three types of suffering that our sexual fantasies rewrite. Three realities that the fantasy waves a magic wand over and says, poof, I'm turning you into something different, just like a fairy tale, just like a fantasy. In our imaginations, anything is possible. And the things that appeal to us subconsciously at the deepest level are in the end attempts to take that suffering that we experience in our lives and wave a magic wand over it and poof, it transforms. Our sexual fantasies transform fear into safety, shame into glory, and loss into connection. Those are the three storylines. Those are the three key ingredients of any sexual fantasy that I have identified. A sexual fantasy turns fear into safety, shame into glory, and loss into connection. Let's start with fear. Fear is a really interesting one because the experience of fear or the emotion of fear is almost synonymous with arousal. Think about what happens in your body when you experience fear, that fight, flight, or freeze response. Your pupils dilate, your heartbeat quickens, maybe you catch your breath, there's an agitation, maybe a a tightening in your stomach. Isn't that the exact same things that happen when we get sexually aroused? Our heartbeat quickens, our stomach tightens, we feel that tension, that energy. Fear is almost synonymous with arousal. And that's part of why so many of us end up using porn when we experience that fight, flight, or freeze because we interpret that fear as arousal. I must be aroused. When in reality, if you've seen my training on the floss method and you've been tracking with how to understand your triggers, when you get triggered, that fear response is running on the same systems as that arousal response. And that's part of what gets us sexually excited. It it gives us that energy. Where does that fear arousal response lead us? It leads us towards some symbol of safety, something that can soothe that response while also stimulating us. That's why porn being a pacifier is so powerful. When we are afraid, like a child who needs to be soothed, porn comes in and it gives you that little symbol of safety. Now, the pacifier doesn't actually make you safe or take away the danger around you. It just makes you feel safer. Look for the safety valve. Maybe that safety valve is a certain person in the fantasy who makes you feel safe, or maybe it's that the kind of person who makes you feel unsafe, whether it's a man or a woman, is not there. Maybe you think to yourself, okay, this is really weird that in my sexual fantasies, it's the type of person who harmed me. And that feels like the opposite of safety. Well, maybe for you, the safety valve is simply fantasizing about this on your own, masturbating to yourself and choosing to engage in that experience rather than having it forced upon you. And that's what a sexual fantasy needs to have in it for it to be truly arousing. You need to have some kind of safety valve. Let me give you an example. If you fantasize about 
a sexual fantasy which is violent or dominant and you are the initiator or maybe even the abuser, what is that protecting you from? Well, in my case, that's one of my sexual fantasies is being in that power over position. It makes me safe or feel safe from being abused. If I'm the abuser, if I'm the one harming the other person, then I can't be harmed. Now let's flip that on its head. Maybe you have a sexual fantasy about being abused or being in the more passive position. What is that protecting you from? How does that make you feel safe? Well, it could make you feel safe from being blamed or being accused. After all, if someone else is attacking you or abusing you or assaulting you, then it's something that you can't be blamed for. So in my case, being afraid of being harmed puts me in that position of being the abuser, which is what feels more safe. But maybe in someone else's case, being the one who is on the receiving end of that actually feels safer. Someone who's afraid of being condemned or blamed or found unrighteous. Someone whose sexual behavior is so appalling to them that to be responsible for it would be terrifying. The sexual fantasy is a symbol of safety and it's revealing how we've been harmed. For me, the connection to my abuse is really clear. Having been sexually and emotionally abused by women in the fantasy, I reverse that. Rewrite reality and become the abuser. And the other situation I described, maybe someone was shamed and condemned and accused and judged for your sexuality or feels that harsh perfectionism and legalism. Maybe you grew up in purity culture and for you to be the passive participant or to have someone else initiate on you absolves you of the guilt. So the fantasy waves a magic wand and it turns what we're afraid of into what helps us feel safe. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, my sexual fantasies don't make me feel safe. They make me feel a thrill because the danger is arousing. Well, remember, if the sexual fantasy is too safe and there's no tension and there's no conflict, then it's boring. It needs to have that excitement, that arousal with a safety valve, with a way out, with an escape. Now there's intrigue. Now there's excitement. Now there's imagination. So the sexual fantasy formula involves turning fear into safety and also turning shame into glory. What do I mean by glory? Glory involves beauty and strength, beauty and power. And the glory of God is his beauty and power. And he has injected that glory into us, into our sexuality. And our sexuality, no matter How dark and twisted it becomes, it still bears the image of our creator. And even our most destructive sexual fantasies are not without his creative power and beauty. So even within our sexual fantasies, there is glory. There is glory. You might be thinking to yourself, 
Drew, what in the world do you mean by that? Well, start asking yourself some of these questions. In this sexual fantasy, who am I? What kind of person am I? You might also ask yourself, who am I with? And maybe by being with that person, it says something about who I am. Because who you are is God's beloved son. And you, he's well pleased. And your glory is within the sexual fantasy in some way. And it has to be that way because in order for us to be sexually aroused and excited, we have to feel good about ourselves at some level. We have to have a certain sense of identity that is attractive to us. Even if that means I'm nowhere in the fantasy. Well, maybe you feel better about that than showing up and feeling horrible about yourself. So, the fantasy is providing some symbol of glory. For example, a sexual fantasy about exhibitionism or, or just being turned on by showing off my body or my naked body, which is something that I've experienced and I participated in a lot during college. What's that about? This idea of turning shame into glory helps make a lot of sense of that kind of fantasy because when I show myself off in that way, who am I? I'm attractive. I'm worthy. I'm wild. Or maybe I'm with someone who is attractive and worthy and wild. And the truth is, I really am. I need to embrace that about myself, that I am attractive, that I am worthy, and I am wild. I don't have to fantasize about that. I don't have to rewrite reality to make that happen somehow. I don't have to wave the magic wand. That's who God made me as. And my journey is learning to trust that and embrace that, that I am his beloved son and he is pleased with me. And the same goes for you. Maybe one of your sexual fantasies involves pleasing someone or servicing someone else sexually. Well, what could be the glory there? Maybe it's that you really are delightful and loving and kind. Maybe it's that you really are desirable. And for you to give yourself to someone is a gift to them. And that's who you are. That's your glory. You can embrace that within the things that we hate about ourselves. These sexual fantasies, they're the things that God loves about us. When we can get down to the glory to your beauty and strength, which is showing through your positive traits, even in your most broken places. Isn't that amazing? And by the way, when you can identify what is that glory, who are you in the fantasy or or who are you with and what are they like, it's also going to show you what you're ashamed of. So for me, with a fantasy, giving me that symbol of I'm attractive, I'm worthy, I'm wild, I've carried a lot of shame over feeling unattractive and ugly. I've carried a lot of shame over feeling unworthy and not good enough. And I've carried a lot of shame over being uninteresting rather than wild. As a boy, that's what I believed about myself. And I'm still unlearning those beliefs. Maybe for you, having that fantasy of pleasing or servicing someone is counteracting the shame of feeling like you're dirty you're unlovable, you're undesirable. 
you're worthless. It's that shame that is driving you to the fantasy, which is giving you a glimpse of your true glory, of who you truly are. So our fantasies are symbols of glory, and they reveal, at the same time, what we're ashamed of. Fantasy waves a magic wand, and it takes our shame, feeling unattractive, feeling unlovable, and it turns it into glory. But it actually is revealing the glory that we've had all along, the image of God within us. One of the most profound insights that I've learned about sexual fantasies is that Sometimes what I'm really attracted to is the person that I am in this fantasy. It's not as much the other person or or the situation. It's who I was with that person or who I could be or who I am in that environment. There's, There's a bond with the glory. And you can have that connection to your glory without shame without shame, especially once we understand how to interpret our sexual fantasies, which turn fear into safety, shame into glory. And lastly, sexual fantasies turn loss into connection. To be turned on, we must feel connected, not cut off. Our sexuality, which is this good, glorious part of us, is this engine for intimacy, for us to feel connected. Even the word sex comes from this Latin root, sacare, to be cut off. We've, we come into this world connected to our mothers in the womb, and little by little throughout childhood, we get severed. We get cut off, and we long to be reconnected with the whole universe. That's what our sexuality is designed to do, to drive us out of ourselves into connection, not to be cut off. And we feel aroused when we feel connected. So the question here for interpreting your sexual fantasy is in the fantasy, what are you connected to? Who are you connected to? What do you get to have in this fantasy? Or what's the happy ending? Are you You get to have it in the end and it's yours happily ever after. For example, maybe it's connecting you with an older man or an older woman. Maybe that's the kind of connection you always longed to have with your father or with your mother that you never had. That was lost. Or for example, if your fantasy involves a younger boy or a younger girl, Maybe it's connecting you to part of your childhood, a childhood friend that you lost, or a sibling who you always felt distant from. Maybe that fantasy is connecting you to a girlfriend or a possible girlfriend that you could have had or that you did have. It doesn't matter if the loss is something that you used to have and then you lost it, or you just never had it. The point is, the fantasy is providing you with a symbol of that connection. One of the themes of my own sexual fantasies that I've discovered in recent months is that I used to masturbate to certain members of my family. And incest is a common theme of sexual fantasies, of porn, 
especially for kids who felt disconnected from their families. Kids who longed to be close with brother, sister, mom, dad, and never were, or were at one time, and then everything changed. Don't you see how your sexual fantasies are giving you a connection with people or with experiences that you never had or that you once had? Isn't that good? Isn't that something to bless? Isn't that something to appreciate? We can see so much more than the brokenness. We can see the beauty in it all. When we look through these different lenses, fear and safety, shame and glory, loss and connection. Do you see how sexual fantasies are never really about sex? They're about the ways that we feel incomplete. They're about the stories of suffering in our lives. And they are essentially attempts to rewrite reality, to wave a magic wand and transform our deep suffering into pleasure, to transform our fear into safety, to transform our shame into glory, and to transform our loss into connection. So how can you interpret your sexual fantasies? Look for these three things, safety, glory, and connection. In the end, all of our fantasies, sexual and non-sexual, point to the gospel, which is the truest reality that takes away all of our fear, all of our shame, and makes everything sad come untrue. In the words of J.R.R. Tolkien, the great fantasy writer, the gospel is the true fantasy. It is the true story that meets our deepest desires and brings total safety, unparalleled glory from God, and eternal connection. That is what Jesus offers to us in the gospel, and it is so much greater than any fantasy we can dream up in our own brains or feel aroused by. When you can unpack your sexual fantasies and interpret them and find the safety and the glory and the connection, or at least the illusion that you were being offered, you no longer have to fixate on them anymore. You no longer have to feel ashamed of them or afraid of them. And the power of the fantasy is in the particularity. It's in the specifics. It's in the details that you will discover the safety and the glory and the connection and the fear and the shame and the loss. One of my clients recently said, now that I can understand my sexual fantasies, I can rewrite them. And that is not to say he can just choose to change what arouses him, but rather that, as Jay Stringer has so eloquently put it, our fantasies become a roadmap for healing. They show us what is the safety and the glory and the connection that I was created for. Pursue that. It's going to take the most courage you've ever had. And also, it's worth it. It's a life worth living when we can experience real safety, real glory, and real connection rather than the, the fantasy version of it. And then once we have begun this process of rewriting our stories, we don't need to rewrite them sexually anymore. And as you begin to process your sexual fantasies and begin to interpret them, remember this, the power is in the particularity. It's the specifics, it's the details where you are going to discover what you are truly desiring underneath the fantasy.
And in order to help you do that, I've included a free worksheet in the show notes for this episode about how to write your sexual arousal story and some guidance about how to dream redemptively about what a healthy fantasy could be like, a fantasy that draws you deeper into the story of God that he is writing in your life. Isn't that awesome? Always remember, my friend, you are God's beloved son, and in you, he's well pleased.